Hello and welcome to Adam and Eve on CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton and around the world on CJSR.com. My name is Rosie Beforks Jenkins. And my name is Autumn Mornchuk. And we'll be your hosts for today's episode of Adam and Eve. Thanks for tuning in. Adam and Eve is Edmonton's only feminist radio show. We are adamant on highlighting, discussing, and engaging with issues that affect women across Edmonton and around the world. On this week's episode, we're featuring a two-part series on Asian representation in the media and arts. This week, we'll be featuring an interview with the band Cutsleeve, a queer East Asian female rock band. If you'd like to hear what their band is all about, the complicated layers of how being queer East Asian women has on each of their identities, and what East Asian representation means to them, please stay tuned in. Thank you all so much for coming onto the show. Michelle and I are so excited to have all of you on, and thanks for coordinating this big six-way call with us. Um, yeah, so we thought that maybe you could just introduce yourselves to all of our listeners first. Um, I'll start off. I'm Chanel. Um, I use she, her pronouns, and I'm the lead singer, and I also play keys in the band. Um, I'm Leanne. I also use she, her pronouns, and I'm the drummer. I'm Hannah. I use she, her pronouns, and I play lead guitar and cut sleeve. Hi, I'm Hillary, she, her pronouns, and I play bass. Hi, I'm Amanda. I go by she, her pronouns, and I play the rhythm guitar and backup vocals. Great. Thank you so much. The first question I have for you is maybe to let the listeners know what type of band you identify as. I guess um, alt-rock is probably what we identify as, yeah. Yeah, like alt-rock, pop, punk. (laughs) I've I've been telling people emo grunge. Original is definitely somewhere in the title. (laughs) We've got kind of like a nostalgia vibe going on in some of our songs. And then um, a bunch of our other songs are like, we're just like, you know, a little frustrated at something. And then other songs are like, Wow, I'm sad. Let me tell you about my sadness, but um, not in a like a sad way. In a like, wow, we all feel this way kind of way. Are there any like bands that you draw influence from? There's so many. <laughs> um, yeah, well, uh, I guess a big one that's common. I I would say is a common denominator for us is Paramore, 2006. Yeah. Um, what are some other ones? Oh, um, Moaning Lisa, Wolf Alice, uh, Veruca Salt. Um, what else? Am I missing any? Mm. Those are our main ones. Yeah. Our main influences. Maybe Bikini Kill yeah. as well. We were also really interested in the name Cut Sleeve. So did you guys want to just, just explain that a little bit more? Yeah, Hillary tells it best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So when we were brainstorming for band names, myself and a previous uh, person who was part of the band, we were looking up East Asian folklore, and uh, I had come across the story called Passion of the Cut Sleeve, which is also a queer folklore story, and there's not a whole lot of uh, narratives in, you know, older, ancient, culturally specific uh, literature that is 
queer, for Asians at least, and uh, it's essentially about a an emperor who was getting up from a nap or something with his male partner, and uh, he didn't want to disturb him, so he cut the sleeve off of his robe so he wouldn't wake up his partner. And so Passion of the Cut Sleeve is a euphemism in China for homosexuality, I guess. Yeah, it shows how queerness has been in our histories for so long. I guess my question off of that is, what does it mean to you to all identify as an East Asian queer band? Well, I guess, I don't know. I guess I just it's just nice to to tell the story because I think people just always assume it's just like an edgy name yeah, for, the, for the sake of it, but there is real meaning behind it. Which um, Yeah, it's not yeah. like, oh, cut sleeve, that's so punk. I'm like, like oh, we're like cut our actual, off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a deeper meaning and intention mm-hmm. behind it. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's also interesting how like uh, histories of like European colonialism especially mm-hmm. have enforced um, labels and like um, abnormalities onto things that like previously existed in our histories mm-hmm. and like like now we can see how it has really affected like current day situations and um, like how we view um, certain cultures and like I don't know our own cultures yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a really great point yeah. I feel like when it's brought into like a Eurocentric lens Often queerness and being Asian is often fetishized. That's like another cool thing about being called cut sleeve too is also that like I can tell people who I'm not out to, like my parents, that hey, I have I'm in a band called Cut Sleeve and the name Cut Sleeve is like super gay, but they won't necessarily <laughs> know that, hence like the euphemism, which I kinda think is mm-hmm. is, is kinda cool too. Like you can um, like you don't like, I mean, we are definitely a queer band, but we don't necessarily, you know, go out, like, telling people, like, we're a queer band, and that's why you have to listen to us. Like, listen to us for our music, and then it's really also cool that we're all queer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Totally. Your identity as an East Asian queer band isn't like the main force behind why some people might come to you but if the message resonates that could be something that really brings connection to a lot of folks exactly and it's something that we're we're super proud of obviously Mm -hmm. and like we definitely i think also that's how we came together right like we found each other because we're all um asian we're all queer and we're all like women and we all just wanted to like come together and make this band like not even like we just wanted to play music together and then it kind of just started rolling from there which um has been like this really crazy awesome ride and uh, and now we're all yeah. like, best friends <laughs> well yeah it's because it's because it's kind of the merging of two communities you know because the music community is really big in in all of our lives but it's also also you know the queer and the asian community is really big in our lives but it's often not together you know like the music community is very white especially in toronto and the and the genre that we're in um it's so white and so just to be able to have both communities merge together and create that space is really special yeah i have trouble finding chinese friends let alone having them be queer too so i think that's super yeah. important yeah exactly. i 
I totally resonate with that. Like, I'm actually originally from Calgary, and I went to a small school, like, south, south of Calgary. And, um, yeah, like, the school was mostly, like, not Chinese, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't have difficulty, like, making Chinese friends, especially growing up, because I stayed at the same school for a really long time. And, like, it was a big part of my life that I found this band because I didn't even have, like, that many East Asian friends with skin with, and then, like, even fewer queer friends, and then, like, um, the two just kind of came together in a really special way for me. Maybe to add to that, part of our origin story, I guess, is that we were brought together initially because in art installation in Toronto that was documenting gay, lesbian, queer stories and our histories in Toronto. Many of us had friends mm-hmm. who participated and uh, like that is literally how I was referred to Leanne to uh, yeah, I kind of talk about the band. Uh, well, I actually didn't even know that was going to be featured in the piece because I, I had done an interview with a friend from high school and then I show up and I was like, oh, okay, and then my friend who was the artist was like, oh, there are these people who want to meet you, like, they want to join your band, and I was like, okay, cool, like, I wasn't even expecting that. What did the piece in the art installation, like, what was it again? It was, like, a little sculpture of you. Yeah, so there were a bunch of, like, little sculptures, and they were hanging, and it's it's really cool, but um, there is, like, a little sculpture of a drummer, and then next to it it said, um, Seeking, I don't know, queer fans for bands, contact Leanne or something like that. And I had I had no idea that was even going to be on there because uh, because I had just mentioned offhand in the interview I was like you know I really want to start a band but I've had trouble with it because I felt really alienated like it would be really cool you know I would love to be in an all like a like an all Asian band you know it would be bonus if they were all queer kind of thing. And then that's kind of how it blossomed. It was just an offhand remark. So, um, so something I just want to stress is that um, this um, installation was part of a project called Invisible Footprints, and it um, focuses primarily on East Asian and Southeast Asian queer, gay, lesbian, trans artists. Um, uh, it like really tries to foster like intergenerational dialogue. So it's all about like documenting either like older uh, or younger people and kind of um, keeping preserving that history for people in the future to learn about like people in the past and that to remember that like us as a community not just as an Asian community or a queer community but we have as queer Asians we have been here and we've existed for a while um, even though we might not have been you know like there might not have been like essays or movies about us we've been here um, so it's kind of like this interesting um, circle because um, there's been three years of Invisible Footprints so far. The first year is the one where Leanne w- mentioned um, she wrote the Looking for Queer Friends. And then the second year, a friend of ours made an installation for Invisible Footprints that we ended up uh, writing our first single. It was inspired by this installation. Um, it's called Fury and I. Uh, and then the third year of Invisible 
what Current Work is this year, uh, it's come full circle again because now I'm an artist that's part of it. So, like, Cutsleeve has been very, very, like, supported by our community here in Toronto, um, for sure. Like, it's definitely, we would not be where we are today if it wasn't for all the amazing people that have come out and supported us and uh, listened to our music and just been, like, really, really great anchors this entire time that we've been together. Yeah, okay, I also want to mention, Chemin, on that, is that one of our first shows that we played together was for Pride, and we got to play on the Queer um, Asian Youth stage. So that was, like, a big thing for us, and, like, there was an amazing turnout and really great support and, like, energy from the from everyone who attended, and that was really nice. So would you say that um, the reactions to your band have been most mostly positive? Within our community, yeah. for sure, for sure. Like our yeah, first show so. that we, we did in an actual venue and we booked it ourselves and we did the whole thing, we sold out. And we did it actually with the help of our two two other bands that were both majority Asian. And we all got together and the whole, most of the crowd is like all Asian and like so many queer people and it was just, there's so much support. And for that to be our first show, it was just incredible, that feeling funny that one of the staff at the venue was kind of uh, <laughs> surprised to see us have such a great turnout because like I guess I'm sure they were thinking like oh I've never heard of these people before and like it's gonna be an empty house but then like we filled the place and they were surprised. It's so great to see how communities come together and are so supportive mm-hmm. when you create these platforms for voices to be heard and represented. I think that's amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love how you're also like stressing, you know, representation without like tokenization. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we can talk a little bit about how your East Asian identities complicate your relationship being queer, or if it does at all. Yeah, I think um, being East Asian definitely did complicate my relationship with being queer because I didn't have like a lot of role models and representation growing up. <laughs> The, like, the community that I grew up in and, like, the school that I went to um, was definitely very accepting, um, but it was just different not having, like, media representations of people like ourselves, and though I had, like, friends who were also going through the same thing, it was just, like, yeah, it was pretty different because queer media was pretty heavily centered on, like, white, male, gay perspectives, and I just couldn't relate to it. Um, especially since a lot of the people around me were already white, so it was just, like, more alienating. And then, like, moving to Toronto and finding this group of people was really important to me because it helped me sort of um, solidify the idea that, like, it's completely okay and normal to be asexual and East Asian. I identify as asexual, aromantic, and there are pretty much very little to no characters or narratives that I could relate to growing up. I didn't identify as that first. I identified as like queer and was like, oh, I've never dated anyone, but everyone around me is participating in this. And there's a lot of anxiety and there's a lot of narratives that go around that like, oh, you meet someone sometime. But for myself, when I really broke it down, um, I just wasn't like attracted to people in that way. And there's a lot of discourse that goes on with being POC or East Asian and ace because you have the submissive, shy stereotypes 
that stack on top of the narratives of trying to explain what asexuality is. So it's really uh, difficult to discuss that and try and uh, unravel those things because you don't know. It could it could attribute to one or the other or both. There's not a whole lot. At least in, in Toronto, there is like an ace community, but it's mostly white. So... For myself, I find it really hard to relate in general, even in like POC queer communities as well. And I want to add to that to kind of toot Hillary's horn a little is that uh, she wrote one of our original songs speaking to her experience and her identity and uh, that live. And I think it's really special that we can create this platform for each of us to share our own individual experiences navigating through the world and life um, as ourselves and our share about our interactions with our community and um, people. I think what's super interesting uh, about like how we write songs too, like uh, with us, we're always writing songs. Like we have a very equal split of how we write songs. And it usually starts with one, one of us who has come up with the lyrics or two of us together. And then we all kind of like come in with we all write the music together and then the lyrics of every single one of our songs have been written by different people they're not just like one person so we we also do see a lot of different perspectives from each of us coming through in our music it's not just one sort of like heavy-handed like this is like one person's perspective it's like like a communal perspective on everything I, I find that really interesting just like Reminding people that, no, we are not like a monoculture. Everyone has their own like stories to tell, right? But then yeah. at, at the yeah. same time, we are a community. Right. Yeah. Well, we just wanted to congratulate you guys on winning the Vivek Shreya Arts Grant. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Did you guys want to explain a little bit about what that was and I guess what it means to you to win that? Well, I think grant application is, well, it's really important. And especially in Canada, the grant cycle, I suppose, is... Um, a much bigger opportunity that we are very grateful to take advantage of. And Vivek is someone that I know some of us have looked up to. Um, she's across all medias pretty much, right? And um, actually, Hillary was the one who I believe found out about her grant and was the one who spearheaded that. But it, it, it really helped us evaluate sort of our own song process and our own music and also why we were doing what we were doing. You know, the questions that she was asking through the grant uh, were really self-reflective because it's hard to write about yourself and it's hard to write about why you deserve money, you know? Because especially, especially I, yes. I, found, I found in this culture, it's really hard because, you know, you're always like, no, like, I like don't ask for money, like, you know, be self-sufficient. And like, you're, you know, like they try to give you the red pockets. You're like, no, like, give it back. You're always fighting to pay the bill, like, <laughs> It's a big culture of so, so, like not asking for help, but it's okay, you know. To, um, imposter syndrome. Yeah, um. exactly. Like to ask for something and to advocate for yourself is really hard, and it it's almost fighting against something that feels really ingrained in you. But you know what? Like Vivek is there to support people, just like us, like specifically I think, us. I think, you know, like it's also like. The fact that this kind of grant even exists for queer POC musicians, it all by the grace of Vivek, obviously, it, it's, it opens up doors to help us apply for other grants as well. You know, it, it kind of gave us the confidence to be able to be like, hey, we can do this grant. Maybe we could try for others, too. So I think the whole like 
existence of this grant um, just makes us feel like really honored to be able to be like mm-hmm. the first people to to receive it and then really um, excited for the future years of how many doors it's going to open for other queer um, POC musicians as well to be able to you know be more confident with grant writing and asking for money and it's like you don't really you don't really try these things until you know that you can and and so I don't know it's just really nice <laughs> thank you Vivek <laughs> yeah thank you Vivek thank I, you, I one of the questions I remember that really stuck out to me was like I think the question was somewhere along the lines of like who are you aiming to reach like what is your base audience and why are they your base audience and what do you want to do for them and then you know after a lot of thought we were like you know we want to reach people like us who maybe don't have the accessibility that toronto gives us you know we're lucky enough that we're within reach of each other albeit you know scarborough a little far but um we're lucky enough to be um in reach of each other in our community physically but um you know music is not uh doesn't have to be localized and using our music as a means to reach out to people who maybe don't have other Asian queer um, spaces and connections, they can use our music to make them, which is something that I realized over the course of grant writing. Uh, Hillary has gone to like meet Vivek at like book signings and like purchased her work and everything like that. Like, do you want to say something? For myself, I felt like it is a very rare even though it shouldn't be privilege and opportunity to like see other Asian queers who are doing art and they're not necessarily like going into their craft knowing that they will succeed and then stumbling sort of into success quote unquote I I look at what the local Toronto music scene is right now and it's I would say like the people who quote unquote succeed or have a larger following are mostly white, mostly cis men. And it's it's just a very special thing to see Vivek like lovingly support other people. And I know she's done this with her book writing grant as well. But this is the first year for the music grant. I just I just hope to see more like POC black and brown folks be supported as much and more than what we have had so far and we've only we've only been around for like a year and a half and it's just very humbling that you know we're all learning and someone took a chance on us i i hope we can get to a point where we can sort of do the same for other artists who have less access and less opportunities thank you for that that was super insightful what take-home message would each of you want to put out through cut sleeve where do you see your work kind of hitting people i guess for me personally it's sort of like there is no limit to what any one person can do like for me the message that i want to send is that just because you are one thing doesn't mean that you're limited to just doing that one thing and it doesn't mean you can't try things that no one else has tried before that is like you Like, I guess these are very vague words that I'm using, but, like, just because you're East Asian and interested in health sciences does not mean you can't be in a queer rock band, you know? Like, these aren't things that exist in separation in myself, and there are other things that should not exist in separation in other people as well, and I hope that 
our existence shows that, I don't know, there are no limits to what you can do. My takeaway message would be that if you are interested or have some desire in doing music or dabbling in music or whatever, exploring your music or using music as a creative outlet, like this band for me has been my biggest and probably one of my only creative outlets in life and a lot of value to me. And I personally didn't grow up like taking music lessons of any kind so I have no formal training and like music theory I don't really know all that much about and, like a lot of technical stuff I don't have as a skill of the feelings and uh, whatever I have music as a way to express myself more like emotionally um, and creatively and I sometimes can get caught up in, in all the technical stuff and like not knowing all the correct terminology and all this all these things but I think the bigger takeaway is that that doesn't matter as much as this is an art so it's about letting your creative juices flow freely however they whatever form they take um and however they sound look or feel so yeah i think if you're for anyone out there who's like thinking of trying out music you want to play an instrument or join a band like just go for it and make whatever sounds you want to make and send out the message that you want to send out and express yourself in whatever way it feels good to you. If yeah. you want to do it with people, find people who <laughs> you get along with. If there isn't space, you just have to make it. You don't have to be afraid because people will move out of the way if you make them, you know, and don't be afraid to stand up for yourself and to advocate for yourself because there is always space. You just have to make it. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for <laughs> sitting down and chatting with us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Ooh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for setting us all reaching out to us. <laughs> Thanks. I'm just so happy we got to hear yeah. all your perspectives on this and have more queer Asian women yeah. be represented. You just heard our interview with the band Cutsleeve. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to know more about Cutsleeve or where they will be playing next, follow them on Facebook or Instagram at Cutsleeve. That's C-U-T-S-L-E-E-V-E. We've come to the end of this week's episode of Adamant Eve. Edmonton's only feminist news program. We produce this week's show in the studios of CJSR 88.5 in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, on Treaty 6 territory. We are grateful to be in Amiskwichiwiskaigan, the traditional territory of the diverse indigenous peoples of this land, including the Cree Nehio, Blackfoot Nitsitapi, Metis, Nakota Sioux, Iroquois, Dene, Ojibwe, Soto, Haudenosaunee, Adishnabe, Inuit, and many others whose histories, languages, and cultures continue to influence our vibrant communities. We wanted to recognize that colonialism is ongoing and violent. We encourage you to reflect on your own relationship further and to ask what accountability would look like here in practice for yourself. Thank you very much today to our lovely guests of Cutsleeve, Chanel Fu, Amanda Wong, Hannah Winters, Hilary Fong, and Leanne McMillan for adding to the needed voices and platforms for queer East Asian representation in the arts. As well, we would like to thank our Adam and Eve contributors, Michelle Dang and Wen Chan, 
as well as Lewis for editing this show. If you'd like to catch any shows you may have missed, we have started to upload our recent shows on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at the handle AdamandEveCJSR. Please check that out if you would like to listen back on previous episodes. Adam and Eve is a spoken word project of CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton, Alberta, and our journalism is funded by you, the listeners. For more information on our program and to send us any feedback, please contact us on our Facebook page under Adam and Eve or tweet at us at Adam and Eve, all one word. We're always looking for more volunteers to help out, so if you're interested in learning any aspect of radio production, just get in touch. Stay in tune for our next show in two weeks' time, where we will be discussing the second part of this series on Asian representation. Thank you very much for tuning in. We've been your hosts, Rose Eva Forks Jenkins and Autumn Mornchuk. We hope you have an adamant evening, and we will close this episode off with a snippet of one of Cut Sleeve's songs, Durian Eyes. This is not their final version of their song, but we wanted to give a big thank you to Cutsleeve for letting us air this exclusive content that hasn't been released yet. We hope y'all enjoy. Yeah.